0: welcome back everyone to point of sale the show where we break down great retailers and of course the best part the data and technology that moves their supply chains now uh, for everyone we actually don't have a guest today but we're going to dive into two very interesting topics that hit the headlines over the past week or so uh so before we dive into that i just want to remind everyone that of course it's not just a, a wonderful retail supply chain show that you have to check out every single week but it's also a community so we have a wonderful newsletter that goes out every monday all you have to do is head over to freightwaves.com slash pos and get signed up for that today and then make sure you check out the show every week as well whether you're watching on FreightWaves tv you're watching on your roku maybe your apple tv you can also check it out on YouTube as well, and if you're on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe so you get updates for future episodes, and of course, you can check it out anywhere you listen to podcasts as well. So make sure you become part of our community, though, and head over again to freightwayscom slash POS. Now, on to the big news of this week. Uh, we're going to start off with maybe a-, a topic that you might not even realize is a retail item, and that's uh, the very Americanized... Thing of ice yes that's right i c e ice you know the, the wonderful stuff that people love to chew on that we have to have in our very very cold drinks i mean to, to go through a few of them right like there's there's all types of ice uh there's crescent ice that we all see right from our machines or fridges etc there's cylinder cylinder ice i believe it's called uh which is the one where yeah the little circle that you uh, you know, of course, I usually you get those. I feel like at baseball games, stuff like that. Crushed ice, which you can get out of your refrigerator. Who doesn't love that? Especially with what looks like here, some type of margarita, uh, reusable ice, uh, which I'm, I'm not going to say I'm not a fan of, uh, it seems weird. It, I don't want this plastic sitting in my drink, but Hey, it's there when you need it. There you go. Now the grand ice that we all love in adore, of course, is this nugget ice right? It's in Chick-fil-A drinks. It's in Sonic drinks. It's in the best cold beverages. And it's even so popular nowadays that people are buying it on Amazon machines to just make crushed ice or uh, nugget ice. It's it's literally the best. Everyone can agree. If you did a poll, I would say most people would tell you nugget ice is the way to go. Well, one of our favorite coffee brands just announced this past week, Starbucks, that it's looking to switch to nugget ice. And I can't tell you how hyped I am about this. Love Starbucks, love everything they do. Uh, And the fact that they're switching over to one of the best ices there possibly is, is very exciting. Now, I will say there is some debate right now of whether or not this is going to make your drink more watery, whether it'll hold like it normally does. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, Starbucks is pretty, pretty good at making sure the ice to coffee ratio is there. I believe over sixty-seven percent of all of their drinks that they serve are end up being cold drinks. So let's let the let the pros do their thing. I I think it's a smart move, and I can't wait till it hits stores near me. But as it brought this up, I was starting to research, you know, the actual history and of retail within the ice world because let's be honest, it's, it really is an American phenomenon. If you travel abroad to ask for ice, it's sometimes odd they'll make you pay more. Uh, and uh, honestly, even nowadays, as you go more West in America, it's harder and harder to get your hands on. So uh, why is this such an American thing? Why is this such a phenomenon? Well, that's because the retail ice actually started here in America with a man named Frederick Tudor, AKA the ice King. Look Look at that ice King right there. Uh, that guy right there is who we have to thank for our nugget ice. So basically, how this happened is he was born in 1783 in Massachusetts. So, I mean, we're talking a founding father situation. We signed the Constitution and we immediately went into the ice game. And in the early 1800s, he realized the need for ice. He was just, he's kind of just walking around New England because, like, what else are you doing during those times? And was like, hey, like, there's just all this ice everywhere. Maybe someone else would want this for a pretty penny. And here's the thing the product at the time especially is like basically free if you can get it out of the ground or get it out of the water and somehow transport it somewhere which seems like an insane idea to begin with like uh power to you frederick the ice king go for it so he did and his first shipment went out in 1806 he filled that puppy up with as much ice as possible and moved his way to the Caribbean. And he actually did manage to sell enough for a profit. I mean, like besides the overhead of the bow, there's not much to it. Just get it out and get it moving. And over the years, he actually created a really interesting distribution center. He created ice houses, different types of packaging, uh, distribution centers all along the East Coast. And demand grew for it. I mean, if you could, of course, the medical purposes, right? This is a huge deal. Preserving food, just like we look at our own supply chains now. By the way, go check out our uh, cold chain show, by as we're talking about this, so preserving food, uh, medical purposes, but the most, and this is where I think it became an American thing, was the luxury, right? Of having a cold drink. We all, it's it's that, that showcase of power that, hey, we have ice. Oh, it, like if, for instance, if you go to a friend's house, AKA okay, actually you go to my house, I don't have an ice maker. I already feel below the rest of America on this one. Uh, I just have good old ice trays, which is just so sad. But at the end of the day, it does show off that that luxury, that uh, that high class of being able to drink a cold drink. Now, uh, unfortunately, the ice king died in 1864. His brothers took over and made it into a huge deal, and really in the retail space as we see it today. In 2020, the ice uh, retail ice market is actually valued at 3.5 billion dollars yes the thing that comes from the sky and freezes at some point of the year well if you're up north it's worth 3.5 billion dollars and it's got and it's really insane i mean to think about the different types of ice that we have now uh, even artificial ice production right which is how most of ice is made right we're not taking it from lakes or anything like that anymore and there's even some really interesting updates uh, with a group, a company called Southeastern Grocers who announced a new ice micro to help bring down the waste within the ice supply chain. And with that as well as a new plastic negative packaging uh, of ice, since right. A lot of us go to liquor stores and especially during these times to fill our coolers. Well, these are called party cube. So there's actually a video that shows you how they're actually changing Uh, the supply chain and what these party cubes could look
1: like. Food and beverage supply chains are too complex. They're unsustainable, insecure, and expensive. Conventional centralized production was the only affordable solution. Until now. Meet Relo, an autonomous microfactory that makes packages, palletizes, and warehouses in this microfactory at distribution centers, shrinking all upstream supply chain steps and eliminating all middle-mile transportation. This plus automation means product costs drop and retailers capture more of the value chain while meeting ESG objectives, creating a one-stop journey from DC to store or consumer. Today, Relo is disrupting the multi-billion-dollar packaged ice industry. Why? The ice industry has remained unchallenged for decades transporting water on trucks, but worst of all, environmentally and economically unsustainable. Relocalized ice is simply better, bigger, longer lasting cubes. It takes up 35% less space in the fridge or cooler and is vacuum sealed for freshness. But most importantly, it eliminates up to 90% of transportation CO2, and that's the opportunity. Today, it's better ice. Tomorrow, it's better beverages. The future is better products in every aisle. Produced hyper-locally and autonomously on demand by a distributed network of Relos. Thousands working together. An autonomous, hyper-local, and networked food and beverage supply system. That's Relo. Talk to us.
0: I just want to say I love this uh concept because I don't think there's anything more American than an ESG initiative for uh, box dice. That is that, uh, that is us in a nutshell, and I gladly take it. So, Starbucks, thank you so much for thinking about the end consumer. Thank you so much, Southeastern Growers, for figuring out how we can get plastic negative packaging for our party cubes. And uh, let's continue to buy the slice, America. Let's, uh, let's keep it a luxury item that we'll enjoy forever. And uh, moving on to our next topic. Uh, this one, we've actually done a show on this company in the past. So you can go back into point of sale. I want to say it was around uh, November of last year. But uh, this is one of my favorite companies of all time, NVIDIA. Now, if you watched the news recently, you would have seen that NVIDIA last week was uh, hit their market cap of $1 trillion after their earnings report. Uh, if we can bring up their uh, graph really quick of their stock, uh, they hit that at the 406 mark. Now today they're down about two, down to 382-ish and some change. Uh, and that's been pretty consistent throughout the day and pretty consistent since last Tuesday when they had their announcement. But it really showcases to you, uh, the importance of AI because that was their main focus within their earnings call and they just ex- exploded past expectations. Their profit was up, and now, mind you, think of all the retailers and all the companies we talked about, uh, all the articles you've seen on, on FreightWaves, right? Like this economy, no one's doing great, but I'll tell you who it is: uh, Nvidia. Uh, they joined Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, and Ramco of that one trillion hit last Tuesday after they showcased profit up in the quarter, twenty-six percent to two billion dollars, with sales up nineteen percent as well and uh, jensen uh, uh huang what that's their ceo huge fan as well if anyone's watching i would love to have him on the show i'm working on it hopefully we'll get there but until then uh he came out and said they just had a surge in demand for data center products now if we can bring up that chart really quick one more time of their stock as well you'll see kind of this hit again around october 21 into 22. And I remember this because it was right when we started seeing this remote work from home. Everyone was ordering computers, the PlayStations were all coming out, everyone was getting all excited to be at home, right? We all wanted our fancy smanchy electronics. We have the articles and frameways right for that. Well, that's what they originally saw in that surge. And then this one, though, is comes from an accelerated demand for computing and what do you know, generative AI. Yes, we talked about this the last couple episodes, but now we're actually seeing it come to fruition with the companies that are producing it. Now, for everyone that doesn't know, NVIDIA is a chip maker. So uh, they're big in gaming systems. If basically any type of gaming uh, unit you use, they've likely created the chips for that. Uh, they, of course, are uh, big, uh, that support chat GPT uh, and their computing power, Microsoft as well. So it's it's honestly not surprising to see that they actually Joined a lot of the companies that they helped back. Uh, but that accelerated demand and generative AI as a whole was uh, pretty big for them. Uh, and during the quarter, they've had some really interesting updates on how they're ver- building more virtual factories through what they call NVIDIA Omniverse. And to kind of showcase to you like, what that is, like what is a virtual factory, that's the capability almost of creating a factory anywhere within an instant. Uh, it's, it's really equivalent to like a supply chain twin. We can pull up the video real quick. I'll show you uh, exactly what I The world's
2: industries like. are accelerating digitalization with over $3.4 trillion being invested in the next three years. We at BMW strive to be leading edge in automotive digitalization. With NVIDIA Omniverse and AI, we set up new factories faster and produce more efficiently than ever. This results in significant savings for us. It all starts with planning, a complex process in which we need to connect many tools, datasets, and specialists around the world. Traditionally, we are limited since data is managed separately in a variety of systems and tools. Today, we've changed all that. We are developing custom omniverse applications to connect our existing tools, know how, and teams all in a unified view. Omniverse is cloud-native and cloud-agnostic, enabling teams to collaborate across our virtual factories from everywhere. I'm about to join a virtual planning session for Debrecen in Hungary, our new EV factory opening in 2025. Let's jump in. Ah, Milan is joining. Hello, everyone. Hi, Milan. Great to see you. We're in the middle of an optimization loop for the body shop. Would you like to see? Thanks. I'm highly interested. And I'd like to invite a friend. Sure. Hey Milan, good to see you. Jensen, welcome to our virtual planning session. It's great to be here. What are we looking at? This is our global planning team who are working on a robot cell in Debrecen's Digital Twin. Matthias, tell us what's happening. So, we've just learned the production concept requires some changes. We are now reconfiguring the layout to add a new robot into
1: the cell. Okay, but if we add a new robot on the logistics side, we will need to move our storage container. Alright, let's get this new robot in. That's perfect. But let's double check. Can we run the cell? Excellent.
0: Milan, this is just incredible. Virtual factory integration is essential for every industry. I'm so proud to see what our teams did together.
1: Congratulations.
2: We are working globally to optimize locally. After planning, operations is king, and we've already started. To celebrate the launch of our virtual plant, I'd like to invite you to open the first digital factory with me.
0: I'd be honored. Let's do it. us uh, free technology companies out there take note of that because i think when we take away all the buzzwords that right there is a really great way of showcasing exactly what your technology is doing and it's super cool i mean that i when we talk about retaining people within our industry and retaining uh different types of new roles and jobs like that uh I, who wouldn't want to work in a space like that? That is incredible. So uh, I think that showcases to you exactly why Nvidia. If just that's just one um, uh, one concept that they've worked with with BMW, and they've opened up to a number of retailers in space as well, including I believe Walmart has worked with them in the past with their Omniverse too. I mean that that could save plenty of time right there. How many people are in that call? They didn't have to send to the factory. Uh, we're talking about air costs. Hotels, all that jazz. And that got done in seconds. So it's incredible what the decision making capabilities can be when we actually use AI and computing power to the best of their capabilities. Com- now, the back and forth on especially this big bump in the video is can they keep up with the production and the need of this as well? Now, I've written about the semiconductor space in the past and, and chips as well. And to throw some more data at you, uh, the Semiconductor Industry Association says that global demand for semiconductors over the next few years is going to be increasing by 10 to 20 percent and growing 5 percent annually until 2030. But in order for us to keep up with that manufacturing, we would need to increase our current capacity by 56 percent. That is why we have the CHIPS Act, the Creating Helpful Incentives to Reduce Semiconductors for America and service. Why we see Intel, a number of big Producers coming to America. And that's a lot of what kind of the push is on NVIDIA. Can Jensen Huang keep up with demand? Now, in an interview just yesterday, he said that yes, he can. Now, uh, Jensen, to give you some background, is Taiwanese. He grew up in Taiwan. He's got a very, very, very close relationship with Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing, which actually they produce a large majority of all the semiconductors used today. Uh, They also actually hold a lot of the intellectual property behind being able to create those, which is a a huge part of the uh, semiconductor process. And so I I believe him and I think that he does have that strong uh, connection. He also mentioned that in a crazy scenario, they do have partnerships with Samsung and Intel for future chip making needs. So uh, he's not concerned too much about it. But I do want to give you kind of a a little bit of an outlook of what the semiconductor production looks like and and how it it can be difficult to maneuver if something were to go wrong. Now, silicon, of course, is one of the most common substances on our planet, and it makes up 90% of our Earth's crust. So to say that we can't find the high-grade silicon product is uh, not true. And actually, most of it comes from... Quartz rocks from our queries, uh, quarries here in America. Uh, one of the biggest locations uh, that uh, we pull it from is from uh, spruce pine in North Carolina, and they take uh, over 66 million pounds of silicon and makes billions of microchips uh, throughout each year. Now, in order to achieve that wafer of a chip, though, of the silicon crystal. They use a special method uh, that actually takes uh, quite some time to create it. It's very, very intricate and a very intricate process. There was a, even a quote from Jenkson where he said uh, that it's one of those materials that you make and it's hard to make the first time, let alone mess it up and have to make it a second time. And so it's it's very difficult, like we said, in order to produce these. It's nothing that you want to rush uh, it's very small. Uh, we're talking about uh, a product that's somewhere between 100 to 450 millimeters in diameter. So it's it's nothing that uh, it can easily be built by someone who doesn't know what they're doing. And that's uh, another part of it, too, that we brought up is the IP behind it. Because there's somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000 steps. That's right. 1,000 to 2,000 design steps. Of to build these small circuits uh, and and build the integrated circuits that go into it as well, and because of that, there's different intellectual property rights that go into each of the different uh, designs that are are, are available. Uh, and actually, it's the IP of it is America's fourth largest export uh, itself, which is is kind of interesting. Uh, nearly one-fifth of U.S. semiconductor companies invest uh, or one-fifth of their investment in a year goes towards the development and innovation of different semiconductors and the property of how to build them. Uh, So again, it's not an easy type of uh, supply chain that you can just enter. Uh, Even though we are seeing a large amount of Chinese entrepreneurs entering the space, So when you see that um, the back and forth argument of could China become more of a uh, user and consumer of semiconductors compared to the US, that's where that's coming from. Because there is an expedited amount of Chinese, uh, again, entrepreneurs who are developing their own process of making semiconductors. And that is what sounds like is uh, NVIDIA's biggest fear you could say now again for those Chinese producers they would like most likely need to go to uh Taiwan for those services which is also talk about geopolitical issues a problem within it itself so again I think I do trust uh Jenseng's idea when it comes to his partnerships and what he's been able to build with his supply chain I think he's got it on tight enti- he's got a very interesting story I'd highly suggest, you kind of look into the background of how he built the because it is a really cool entrepreneurial story. And maybe one day if we get him on the show, because I'm manifesting that destiny right now, if we get him on the show, he can tell you himself. But again, okay, go check it out. Uh again, I'm not a uh stock professional or anything like that. Uh, but it is interesting to see their growth. And it's always good whenever you see stocks move up the way this is this has, we'll dive into it, investigate into it and see maybe how it's affecting even our retailers today so if anything we'll probably see more of this omniverse technology more ai into our retail space uh because of this huge demand that we finally have been able to to witness in the growth of nvidia over the last uh week with their their response to their earnings as well and we'll keep an eye on them and, and continue to see if they struggle to keep up or if they have really secured that incredible uh, supply chain for semiconductors that they say they have and that's pretty much it for today but i'm really excited you guys because it's uh just about to be june tomorrow which means we are less than 20 days away we're at 20 days today i guess you could say to our event in cleveland ohio i'm super excited the future supply chain yes this was our arkansas event last year we brought it up to pretty close by me oh who doesn't love a great lake Cleveland, this time of the year, is like oh, it's gonna be such great weather. Uh, so everyone go head to live.freightways.com, go check out the amazing speakers, the rapid fire demos we have coming up. Uh, so many different exhibits that you guys can go check out. I'm super excited to be around not only a Freightways family, but last year, I mean, that Arkansas that was great. I felt like I learned not just more about our overall supply chains, but of the economy as a whole. So if you're sitting here, and wondering, hey, where, where do we see the U.S. Uh, a year from now? Well, make sure you head again to live.freightways.com, Get your tickets, get your hotel rooms, and join our fun party uh, in Cleveland. And, and speaking of party, the after party that first night is going to be by, of course, the wonderful JV Hunt 360 at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where you can check me doing my radio show. Uh, that's right. Of course, Greatways Drive Time is on every night on Sirius XM, Monday through Friday, on the Road Dog Trucking Channel, Channel 146. But the week of this event, we'll be live again. I believe that would be the first night of the event, yes, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in their SiriusXM studio. Uh, And I'm just really excited to be there with the team and of course report on the wonderful topics that we touch on during the event and what leaders expect to see uh, as we continue to to lead Cleveland and put all of that work into action. So, Again, super excited. Let me know if you're going to be there. Shoot me an email, Gsharky, S-H-A-R-K-E-Y at FreightWaves.com. And let's put some events in our calendars today. Again, let let everyone know, a point of sale is a community. So after this is done, head to FreightWaves.com slash P-O-S and make sure you sign up for our weekly newsletter to come to your mailbox on Mondays. And uh, everyone just keep on consuming. So we continue to have a show and I'll talk to you next week.